Well, friends, thank you for making worship a priority. I shouldn't introduce myself earlier. If we haven't met, my name is Adam. I'm senior pastor here, and I also want to welcome folks who will be experiencing this message online or on our podcast. I want to do something a little bit different today. Uh, we're going to take a look at two different proverbs from two different vantage points. Um, but So the sermon will have kind of two distinct parts, but with one message and, and the same purpose. So we'll have part one, and, and we'll pray, and then worship through song, and then We'll finish up with part two. I wanted to show you a picture of our front door. Uh, we had uh, the chief's wreath still up long enough to where it's made sense now that it's draft season. Okay, so we still had the chief's wreath up. This is a no judgment zone. Uh, and one day my wife and I noticed something. I wonder if, it's, if you can see it now. Uh, a bird has made our wreath into its nest. Oh no, oh no. Now we first noticed this before the, the nest was complete. Right, it was kind of like the Death Star and Return of the Jedi. It, 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 it had, had yet to be completed, right? And our mistake was that we hesitated. So we, we, oh, we, we can, you know, either move it or, I don't know, try and place the nest gently somewhere else. But we hesitated. And next thing we know, the nest is not only fully operational, but it is stocked with eggs. And now it's like, great. Because what are we going to be? Bird murderers? Birderers? Uh, we, we gotta, we can, we're not going to destroy this nest of baby birds now. So now, anytime we have anyone over or anything delivered to the house, two things happen. One, you have to dodge the mother bird flying out the nest as someone approaches. And two, we have to explain that, yes, we, we know we have a bird nest in our front door. Uh, the average egg incubation time for backyard birds is about two weeks. So we figure we have about a month of this in total because the average incubation period is two weeks, so that's when the eggs are being warmed and will hatch. And then the average nesting period for backyard birds is another two weeks. And that's when, the, when they'll be fed and kind of uh, hang out in the nest before they leave on their own. So for the graduates in our community, they're preparing to leave the nest. In our society, the incubation period is about 18 years, a <laughs> little more than two weeks, right? And then students decide what comes next, whether that's enlisting in the military or learning a trade, pursuing higher education or entering the workforce. But there's a mark in our society around the time you're 18, around the time you graduate high school, where you exit the nest. And so in part one, I wanna to speak to our students, especially our graduates, and my encouragement for them today is that you might be leaving the nest, but stay with the flock. Stay with the flock. The book of Proverbs is in the first half of the Bible, and that's called the Old Testament. And Proverbs is a particular type of literature. It's called wisdom literature. It's, it's uh, kind of in a collection with uh, the Psalms and Proverbs and Song of Songs. It's a broader category of books. And in Proverbs, we see collected wisdom from a father who wants to pass on what they've learned to the next generation. And sometimes it can be bad practice to just take one verse in isolation from the Bible and kind of lift it up and, and maybe model a lot of your life or some type of concept just on one single verse. But in Proverbs, that's actually kind of the form the book takes. That's how Proverbs reads. It, it kind of just has these little, these little nuggets of wisdom for, for us to read. Chapter 12, verse 26 says this, the righteous... Choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. 
And this is a concept not just for students, but for all of us, that the people we surround ourselves with are one of the most powerful and influential factors in our lives. Author Donald Miller said that we become like the people we hang out with. We become like the people we hang out with. That's why I try to hang out with Mitch, to like rub off on him a little bit, you know, try and be a, pos- be a positive influence. <laughs> now, if we become like the people we hang out with, and if our faith is important to us, then we need to spend time with other faithful people. If we don't, it will get harder and harder to maintain in isolation. Now, is it impossible to to maintain your faith apart from a community? Maybe not, but God has designed us to operate, not as Christian free agents, but as part of a larger whole. The imagery in the New Testament is that we are each a part of the body. That's the image for the church, the body of Christ. This one big thing made up of a lot of different parts And so the church is something we belong to as a living and active part. Now, whether we stray from that path or not depends a lot on who we allow to influence us. So stay with the flock. If you've ever wondered what a pastor does during the week, this week it was researching incubation periods and migration patterns of birds. (laughs) And I found that migratory birds can fly long distances because of two factors among others. It's, it's incredible. The ends of their feathers actually help create upward force. Even more incredible is when they fly in this famous V formation. Undoubtedly, you've seen that. And this reduces the drag on each member flying together in the flock. And they actually rotate who that first bird is in the front of the V. One study found that by flying together in a V formation, birds can travel 71% farther than if they tried it on their own. Friends, you'll go further in your faith when you stay with the flock. With few exceptions, my longest and closest friendships either began with or included a shared faith in Christ. These are the people that I wanna celebrate the highs of life with, and these are the people I call when I'm feeling the drag of life's lows. These are the people we laugh and cry with that show up to our birthday parties, and when there's a death in their family, we show up to their funeral. Now, I wanna be careful. I'm not suggesting that we should have some type of application process to like pass some spiritual ACT for someone to be our friend. I'm not saying we should treat everyone with suspicion. What I am saying is that when we're part of a true flock, in the words of John Wesley, Methodist founder, we watch over one another in love. And so for our seniors who are graduating, surely you're gonna be very selective about what's next for you. You'll be selective about what college you'll attend or what branch of the military you join or what career you'll be pursuing. Be even more selective when it comes to who you allow to influence you and what your priorities are gonna be. Do the people you surround yourself with lead you towards that righteous path closer to Jesus or do they take you farther away? The folks who have loved our students have taken them as far as they can, and so the nest is up to them. Let's pray a prayer of blessing over our graduating students and all our students in our community. Would you join me? Holy God, what a sacred time in our community as the graduating class of 2022 continues their journey. We lift them up into your care. 
God, these students have had so much affected over the last two years. We pray that they can feel your love as they celebrate the milestone of graduation. That they would take all the bad and the good of what they've experienced and learned about themselves and walk toward brighter days ahead of them. God, be with their families as together, they're all experiencing a variety of emotions, excitement, uncertainty, fear, relief, anxiety, anticipation, grief, and joy. God, whatever is in these children's future, we know it is in your hands. We pray your blessing over them, that though they may be leaving the comfort and familiarity of the nest at home, that you would guide them into remaining a part of your body. We ask that you remind them of the many contributions they have made and have to make to a community of faith, not just when they're older and they can tithe, but right now that they have a contribution to make. Not just with all they can do and provide, but because of who they are and who you've made them to be. God bless the class of 2022. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Friends, I'd invite you to continue to be in prayer for our families and our graduates as we continue to go to God through worship and song. So instead of leaving the nest, we tend to have another perspective uh, around this time of year when we've been the ones building the nest. And I want to speak to more than just parents because uh, there are lots of opportunities to have influence in the life of a child, whether you're biologically related or not. Many of us have interactions and influence with students as they grow up. And so we've already said to the class of 22, stay with the flock. And for those of us who will still remain, I'd encourage you to maintain the nest. Maintain the nest. Later on in the book of Proverbs, we read in chapter 22, direct your children onto the right path. And when they are older, they will not leave it. How's that going? Sometimes good, sometimes not so good. And it can change either way pretty quick, can it? So how can we direct our children onto the right path? How do we show them God's love in such a way that when they're older, they won't leave it? I think the first thing to keep in mind as parents or a caring adult in any kid's life is that we ultimately can't make their decisions for them. That's, that's what's so great about the baptisms and confirmations we celebrated last week. Those kids are making their own choice. I don't know what the age is, but I think about past age, I don't know, seven or eight, we can't really force them to do a whole lot of anything. It's terrifying. And so let's release ourselves from a responsibility that only our kids have, their own choices, especially in matters of faith. But friends, how can we do our best to make them as receptive and responsive as we can, to offer every opportunity? I think there's a model in psychology that can provide some clues for us. And I learned this from a counselor. It's, it's an aspect of attachment theory about the dynamics between children and adults. And it states that two things children need, adults to provide them, are a secure base and a safe haven. A secure base and a safe haven. So we, children need a secure base from which to launch, a nest, if you will, that you're available to them emotionally, uh, that you're available and present physically, and that you provide an environment for them but it's an environment 
that they're allowed to leave in order to explore. Not that you would make yourself necessary for everything, but that you would give the child independence in order for them to leave and explore, a nest which they can depart from. But after that, we need to maintain the nest so that when they need to return, they can. Then we can provide reassurance and comfort in, in, a, in a sensitive response to whatever they've experienced that, that makes them return. This happens in little ways at age five when they go off to kindergarten and in bigger ways at age 18 when they go off to what's next. But our work is never done as people who care about children. We always need to maintain the nest because our children, whether they're ours biologically or not, will always and can always use some support. Man, I'm 38 years old and this week I bought a vehicle and I thought to myself, man, I wish I could call my dad. Wish I could ask him about interest rates, loan terms, power seating, I mean, drivetrains, all of these things. I, I thought to myself, man, I wish I could call dad. He'd know what to do. And so all of this applies, again, to, to more than just parents. How is it that we can direct our children onto the right path? Well, it's gotta be more than just the parents of the child directing. In the book, Sticky Faith, it contains the research of Kara Powell and Chap Clark. And they point to the necessity of a web, a web of relationships of five adults, at a minimum, five adults that can mentor a child since adults are often able to speak to them in ways that you cannot as a parent. Parents and other adults sharing about life's challenges and, and even their own faith, that's what students need. It's what children need. Even if we do the most amazing job as parents, it isn't enough. We need other folks to help build and maintain the nest, which means if you've been sitting here thinking, well, I'm not a parent or I volunteered generations ago, you ain't off the hook. I'm sorry to tell you. We need caring adults who can provide a network that is a safe haven for our children to return to. Many times teachers help fill these roles. And so the concept of this message today is education celebration, that we would celebrate not only our graduates, but also the people that have built into their lives. And so I'd love for you to, to follow me here and hold your applause. I'm going to ask for a little participation in the church today. So if you have taught in public or private school at any point in your life, would you please stand? If you've taught in public or private school at any point, would you please stand? If you've had any type of administrative or support role at a school, would you stand and everybody remain standing? If you've ever volunteered to teach Sunday school or lead a kid's small group with our First Kids Ministry or with our Impact Student Ministry, if you've ever served at a vacation Bible school, would you please stand? If you've ever coached a child's team or been an assistant coach or been a Boy Scout leader or 4-H or any of the clubs that I don't have time to mention because there's so many, would you stand also? Now, friends, let's applaud and say thank you to the folks. These are people who are building into a nest of children that aren't even theirs. Thank you so much. Please have a seat. Please have a seat. These are people who are building into the nest that's not even theirs. You all play such a vital role. And I wanna specifically encourage our teachers for a moment. Now I may be biased, 
because I've been married to a teacher for 14 years. But I'm also in, in, in contact with a fair amount of teachers, both here through the church, through the Chamber of Commerce, through volunteering with our school district. Friends, they're tired. They're tired from the roller coaster of COVID. They're tired with the, the, the pressure of having to do more in the classroom with less time, more demands and at least the same amount of time, often less. They're tired of, of not just managing the education of students, but the trauma that's increasingly complex and it carries over from home to school. And friends, I'm tired. I'm tired of our teachers being over-scrutinized by state legislators who are by comparison amateurs in the field of education. I, I, I'm gonna move on here. I'm tired of it because what I have seen change in the last 20 years is whose side parents are on. See, when I came home from school, if I had a behavioral note from my teacher, it was over for me, socially, financially. I was done, game over. Uh, but the world has changed. But what hasn't changed at least in the teachers I know, is their motivation. I believe teachers are on our side. And I don't think I'm saying anything radical here because I believe teaching is just as much of a ministry as pastoring. And I believe they can be a crucial role in helping build and maintain that nest that every child needs. And so I wanted somebody to say, say to teachers, we see you and we appreciate you. So how can we direct our children and they're still our children even when they're grown. How can we direct them onto the right path? It's what Jesus called the narrow road. We can do a few things. The first thing we can do is model it because it turns out if parents don't make faith a priority, then children won't either. And we probably don't need a whole lot of research to confirm this. This is what the book Sticky Faith describes. Now friends, I'm not here to beat anybody up, but the fact is it's extremely rare for a child to exceed as an adult what faith practices were modeled for them as children. So the second thing we can do in addition, in addition to modeling it is we can discuss our faith, discuss your faith with your children. My son was surprised to know that even a pastor has doubts. I mean, if I went to school for five years and paid 60 grand and it's all fake, I'm gonna be real mad. <laughs> you know, on Easter, we pretty much said that if the resurrection wasn't true, this is all a big waste of time. And so what are moments in, in your life where your own faith in Jesus grew? When was it challenged? What are the types of things shaping your faith now? Find moments to share these when the opportunity presents itself. And friends, I'm not saying this is easy, but how can we weave these in very naturally I've also read that the time in the car is great to do this type of stuff because you're both looking forward, right? There's just something about that barrier coming down that helps. Plus, they got to stay in the car when it's moving, so. <laughs> and the third thing we can do is connect them. Connect them to other caring adults. Students need at least five other adults speaking into their life. This is why some of the most crucial and unsung people in any church, definitely in our church, are the folks who volunteer with our children's and student ministries. 
they play some of the most important roles. They're in the trenches with the kids and they're helping parents maintain the nest. Friends, I am so grateful for folks who invest into the lives of children. I, I would say there is no greater privilege than having influence in the life of a child. I believe that. And I'd like for our church to offer a prayer of blessing for all that do. Let's pray. God, we thank you for so many folks who build into the lives of children in our community. It's a big responsibility to do so. And we ask for your grace and your strength to fill our teachers, administrators, staff, coaches, and volunteers. God, as we prepare for another milestone of graduation, we give you thanks for the teachers that dedicated their lives to educate and love students along their journey into adulthood. We lift up all the joys and challenges of education to you, the angry emails and the happy hugs, the report card comments and the pride of seeing progress. When teachers feel weary from the weight of all they do, we ask for your spirit to sustain them. Please bless all who work tirelessly to love and encourage children. And everybody said together, amen. amen. Friends, let's stand and worship God.